and morning when all the dead in Christ shall rise. I'll have a new body. Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life. Eternal soul in weakness, raised in power, ready to live in paradise. I'll have a new body. Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life. I'll have a new home. Glory, glory. With the redeemed of God. No more pain, there'll be no more strife. Yes, raising the likeness of my Savior, ready to live in glory land. Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life, eternal free from every imperfection. Youthful and happy, I shall be. I'll have a new body. Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life. Lost in victory. I'll have a new body. Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life. Oh, yes. I'll have a new home. Glory, glory. With the redeemed Never God stand. There'll be no more sorrow. No, no more pain. pain. There'll be no more strife. Yes, raising the likeness in of his likeness. Ready to live. I'll be glad. I'll have a new body. Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life. Trump of God shall sound. I'll have a new body. Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life. Eternal grains, all bursting saints are shouting heavenly beauty all around. I'll have a new body. Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life. I'll have a new home. Glory, glory. With reading, no understand. No more pain, there'll be no more strife. Yes, raising the likeness of my Savior, ready to live. I'll be glad. I'll have a new body. Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life. Good morning, good evening, wherever you may be. Welcome to the Passion for Christ show. So glad to have you, friend. Hey, I'm your host, Bruce Kessler, and I just want to let you know I'm part of the greatest movement ever, a follower of Jesus Christ, because you see, in Him alone, I find peace, joy, happiness, blessed beyond measure, more than I could ever deserve. My goal here is very simple, that is to encourage you, friend, along the way, and help you find your passion in life in Jesus Christ. Upcoming in our study segment, we're going to be talking about comfort. Folks, these are times in which people need to be comforted. Maybe even you, friend, need the kind of comfort that we're going to be talking about in our study segment. So stay tuned for that, folks. But first, a few things along the way. And the first is headline news. Well, get this, folks. The state of Colorado can force a Christian web designer to create a website for same-sex weddings under a new federal court decision that upheld the state's anti-discrimination law. At issue is a state law 
the Colorado Anti-Discrimination Act that prohibits discrimination based on sexual orientation in public accommodations. Laura Smith, a Christian web designer and owner of 303 Creative, sued the state, saying she wants to use her gifts to celebrate and promote God's design for marriage as an institution between one man and one woman. Under Colorado law, though, Smith must design websites promoting same-sex weddings if she designs websites promoting weddings between one man and one woman. The law also prohibits her from stating her beliefs about marriage on her business website. On Monday, a three-judge panel on U.S. 10th Circuit Court of Appeals upheld the Colorado law and affirmed the lower court ruling that sided with the state. Alliance Defending Freedom, which represented the Smith, said in the appeal uh, they will go for an appeal, file for an appeal. The government should never force creative professionals to promote a message or cause with which they disagree that is quintessential free speech and artistic freedom. Lori is happy to design websites for all people. She simply objects to being forced to pour her heart, imagination, and talents into messages that violate her conscience. Mm-mm-mm, folks. Troubling indeed. Colorado can force Christian web designer to create same-sex wedding site court rules. Troubling, folks. Troubling indeed. Well, get this. A plurality of likely voters supports a new Texas law that prohibits abortion once a heartbeat is detected, according to a new national survey. The Rasmussen Reports poll found that 46% of U.S. likely voters support the law, while 43% oppose it, and 11% are undecided. The question was posed to 1,000 likely voters. The Supreme Court has refused to block a new Texas law that effectively prohibits most abortions after six weeks of pregnancy. Do you support or oppose the Texas law? It was conducted in September. September the 5th through the 6th. The law, which went into effect September the 1st, requires abortion doctors to check for a fetal heartbeat and prohibits an abortion if one is detected. A heartbeat is typically detected around the sixth week of pregnancy. Lila Rose, president of a pro-life group called Live Action, said this about the poll's results. Despite the insane media bias and lies, more Americans support banning abortion after the baby's heartbeat can be detected than supported. But here's something about the law that is unique, friend, and you need to know about this as well. It allows citizens, get this, to sue those who violate it. The text of the law says any person other than an officer or an employee of a state or local governmental entity may bring a civil action against any person who performs or induces an abortion in violation of the law. It also allows lawsuits against anyone who aids or abets 
performance or inducement of an abortion, those who sue and win could be awarded at least $10,000 for each illegal abortion. How about that, folks? Isn't that something? America is trending pro-life. Voters support Texas heartbeat law, 46-43% poll shows, huh? I like the law. I do not like the fact that anyone can sue. That's troubling to me. I don't know. What do you think, friend? What do you think indeed? Well, if that wasn't troubling enough, get this. You won't believe it. Get this. Six years after three descending Supreme Court justices warned that the legalization of same-sex marriage could lead to the legalization of polyamory. A Harvard Law School publication this month argued for precisely that. Harvard Law Today, a publication of Harvard Law School, posted an article on its website on August 3rd highlighting alumni and current students fighting for the legalization of polyamory which means, friend, a relationship involving three or more consenting partners. I feel very, very strongly about this, said Natasha Argawal, a Harvard graduate and corporate lawyer who advocates for the legal recognition of polyamorous relationships. People have been fired from work because their boss discovered that they were polyamorous. It's a problem for health insurance, for living arrangements such as leases and deeds. Another Harvard graduate, Alexander Shan, is working with students to offer legal protections for people in polyamorous relationships. Argawal acknowledged polyamory has many critics, but responded, from my perspective, it just means there's more love in the world, but your heart is so big, you are capable of loving multiple people in the same capacity at the same time. Yes, friend, you just heard exactly what I just read. Ah. <laughs> what, what else can go on and go wrong with the world in which we live in today? Harvard Law Today promotes polyamory legalization. It just means there is more love <laughs> in the world. Woo, all you all you can do, friend, is just shake your head and befuddlement. And that's our headline news for this radio broadcast. <laughs> And now, this day in church history. On this day, September the 11th, 910 A.D., William I of Aquitaine denoted the town of Cluny to become the seat of a monastery. His charter made clear that he did so to save his soul. He also invoked curses on anyone who would impede or undermine the intent of the charter. 
Here are some key provisions of that charter. Therefore, be it known to all who live in the unity of the faith and who await the mercy of Christ, to those who shall succeed them and who shall continue to exist until the end of the world, that for the love of God and of our Savior Jesus Christ, I hand over from my own rule to the holy apostles, namely Peter and Paul, the possessions over which I hold sway, the town of Cluny, namely with the court of Demean Manor, and the church in the honor of St. Mary, the mother of God, and St. Peter, the prince of the apostles, together with all things pertaining to it, the bills, indeed the chapels, the serfs and both sexes, the vines and the fields and the meadows, the woods, the waters and their outlets, the mills, the incomes, revenues, what is cultivated and what is not, all in their entirety. I give these things moreover with this understanding that including a regular monastery shall be constructed in honor of the holy apostles Peter and Paul, and that there the monks shall congregate and live according to the rule of St. Benedict, that they shall possess, hold, and have and order these same things unto all time. In such wise, however, that the venerable house of prayer, which is there, shall be faithfully frequented, and vows and supplications and celestial converse shall be sought and striven after with all desire, with the deepest ardor, and also that there shall be sedulously directed to God prayers, beseechings, exhortations, as well for me as for all, according to the order which mentioned has been made from above. We will further in our times and in those of our successors, according as the opportunities and possibilities of that place shall allow, there shall daily, with all the greatest zeal be performed, their works of mercy towards the poor, the needy, the strangers, and the pilgrims. And that's this day in church history. And now, folks, we have a little bit of fun with this segment. Name that Bible character. Right, all right, here is your clue. When Abraham died, Isaac and I buried him. Who am I? Here's your clue one more time. When Abraham died, Isaac and I buried him. Who am I? We'll reveal the final answer to this tantalizing clue following our study segment. So stay tuned, folks, for that exciting reveal and our final segment of Name That Bible Character. Now, folks, we have our study segment for this broadcast, so pull up a chair and get your Bibles, get you a hot cup of coffee, and let's open up God's fantastic and powerful Word. Our study is going to come out of 2 Corinthians chapter 1, 
2 Corinthians chapter 1. Folks, have you ever been in a in such a dire situation that you almost about to lose all hope? You feel this gut-wrenching feeling of hopelessness. It's heart-rendering and you're trying, you're you're grasping out, you're reaching out, you're struggling. And it hurts, it's very painful because whatever you're going through, it's just almost too difficult to describe. And you feel like it's just almost overwhelming, too overwhelming. It is at this point you realize that there is something that you need that is not available in this world. That you know it's not from anything you can feel or touch or see. It's only something that can come through the supernatural. And that's found here in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. So let's turn there and let's begin reading in verse 2. Paul says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. This word comfort comes from the Greek word paraklesis. And it literally means to be refreshed, to be consoled. It means to be encouraged. It means to be uplifted. It is often described as the Holy Spirit. Remember when Jesus was talking to the disciples and was talking about the fact that he was going to send out the Comforter. But this was who Jesus Christ is, the Messiah, his, his presence that would be the great counselor, the great consoler, the God of mercies, the God of all comfort. He is, simply put, your needs, my needs are fully and completely addressed in God. Verse 4, who comforts us in all our tribulations. In all our tribulations. God is in the business of fixing that which is broken. Fixing things that is hurting us. Or things that he sees in us that are problem areas. God is there to help in all problems. God wants to help in all areas. He is all powerful for all occasion. God is not limited, but God is powerful. His power is unlimited in the things that He can help us in. Can I get an amen for that, folks? Can I get an amen? Is the God of comfort. And he will comfort us. In all our tribulation. Why? That we may be able to comfort those. Who are in any trouble. 
with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. You see, it is this cycle of comfort, cycle of encouragement, cycle of consolation, cycle of refreshment, of comfort, when we ourselves are in deep trouble, in such pain and agony, in such tribulation, that God reaches down in our very hearts and our very minds and pulls us out. And Paul goes on to say in verse 6 that now if we are afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effective for enduring the same sufferings with which we also suffer. Or if we are comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. Again, it's this cycle of comfort. It just goes around. What comes around goes around. And that's the way we should live within the church. As we experience the very power and very refreshing and encouragement and very comfort of God, we need to pass that on so that others can make it through those difficult and tough and unspeakable moments of their lives. Verse 7 of 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And our hope for you is steadfast because we know that as you are partakers of the suffering, so also you will partake of the consolation. He just keeps going back to this idea that you are suffering. You are facing tribulations. You are troubled. And guess what? The God of all comfort, Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, Jesus Christ, the refreshment, the great encourager, the great counselor will be there for you. And when that happens, and when you experience that, you share that. And help others experience it in their lives. So Paul goes on and answers the question of why this is important. And who it is that we're talking about that's on our side. Verse 8 he says. For we do not want you to be ignorant brethren of our trouble which came to us in Asia. That we were burdened beyond measure above strength. So that we despaired even of life. Sometimes there are times in which we, you friend. Whoever you may be, wherever you may are, you reach that point where you feel like that death is just around the corner. You hurt that badly. You hurt down to the core. And Paul was reminding these Christians at Corinth that there was a time in which we despaired even of life itself. Verse 9, yes, we had descendants of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. These moments of suffering, believe it or not, these moments of tribulation, these moments of trials and tribulation, these moments of real struggle in our lives that everybody will face sooner or later, it's that point where we need to trust and reach out and grab a hold of Christ even more. And trust in God, the God, the same God who raised Jesus from the dead will also raise you up. Verse 10, Paul says, Who delivered us from so great a death, who does deliver us. Not only did he do it, but he continues to do so, and God continues to do so even today, in whom we trust that he will still deliver us. 
Paul was looking to the future. Not now, but the future that if he continues to live and preach the gospel and trust in God, that God will lift him up. Be there for him just as he will be there for us. Verse 11, you also helping together in prayer for us that thanks may be given for many persons on our behalf for the gift granted to us through many. You see, prayer just glues it all together. Seals our needs. Seals our hope. Seals the trust. Seals the faith that we have in the God of all comfort. So Paul concludes in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, starting in verse 15. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or by our epistle. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and our God and Father who has loved us and given us everlasting consolation and good hope by grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. This is the power of Christ. This is the power of the great counselor, Periclesis. And you need to trust in him, friend. Believe in him, friend. Lean on him, friend, and he will always be there on your side to lift you up and to love you. Do you trust in him, friend? Do you hold fast to him, friend? Are you facing deep, deep struggles right now? It could be anything. We don't know what that might be. You could be facing the worst trial of your life. Maybe maybe it's somebody close to you struggling with some kind of physical problem in their lives. Maybe they're facing some type of disease in their lives, sickness in their lives, struggling your loved one, your father, your mother, your son or daughter, a husband, a wife. Lying on their deathbed. Maybe you're there sitting. In the wee hours of the night. Holding their hand. Wondering. What to do. Well, Paul says. We. Have the God. And father of all mercies. And the God of all comfort. Who comforts us in all our tribulations. Do you believe that friend? I pray. That you do. Turn to him today. And that's our study. For this broadcast. Well I tell you what. What a chapter this is. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Mm, boy we need that today. Don't we friends. Share it. Share it. Share it. Comfort somebody. If you've been comforted by God. Share that comfort. Have that cycle of comfort going crazy in your in your church family. Everyone needs it at some point in their lives. Amen, folks. Amen and glory. Hallelujah. And now, folks, we have the conclusion to 
Name that Bible character. Here was your clue. Here was your clue. When Abraham died, Isaac and I buried him. Who am I? The answer is Ishmael. That's right. Genesis 25 verse 9. His sons Isaac and Ishmael buried him in the cave of Machpelah in the field of Ephron, the son of Zephor, and the Hittite, which is before Mamre. When Abraham died, Isaac and I buried him. Who am I? Ishmael. And name that Bible character. Well, folks, you too can become a follower of the greatest movement ever, a follower of Jesus Christ by turning your life over to Him in repentance and submitting to baptism. You'll be forgiven. Be blessed. You'll receive a peace that passes all understanding. My goal here is very simple. That was to encourage you, friend, along the way to help you find your passion in life in Jesus Christ. Visit our website, normanchurch.com, normanchurch.com. Well, friend, I just want to tell you what a privilege it's been for me to have you walking along my side during this show. May God bless you. I am so happy now, you may be asking how, nothing will keep me down because my heart is safe and sound, oh how my Lord was true, even when life seemed dark and no one could take from me, the gift that set me free, Jesus has given me his wonderful grace, you Jesus died for me, so song because I'm looking to eternity. Once I was lost in sin, no one would take me in. I was beyond repair and oh, my life was in despair. Oh, how my Lord was true, my Lord was true. Even when life seemed, life seemed dark and no one could take from me. No one takes from me, that set me free. Jesus has given me, given me His wonderful grace. Jesus died for so me. So I sing this song because I'm looking to eternity. Jesus has given, given me His wonderful grace. Jesus died for me. So I sing this song because I'm looking to eternity. I am so happy now. So you may be asking how. Nothing will keep me down because my heart is safe and sound. Oh, how my Lord is true. My Lord is true. When my life seemed, life seemed dark and no one can take from me. No one takes from me. Gift that sets me free.